0: Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of the Backyard GM, episode 11th. Happy April Fool's Day, if you guys celebrate it. I don't know, it's just one of those fun things I like to do as a kid and I still do it to this day, honestly. We have a lot in store for you guys because... We're talking about the Dolphins getting busy, somehow flipping endless picks in our setup for the future. I have a guest in here who's going to help me talk about top five receivers and how he would build his NFL offense right now. We're talking GM draft path. We're talking about the running backs, the all can doers. And finally, we're going with two GM teams of the week, and we're in the DMV area for both of them. So I want you guys to sit back, enjoy this time, and I'll see you guys right after the intro. welcome back. Now let's jump straight into it. The Dolphins getting busy. Dolphins traded their number three pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the number 12 pick, a 2021 third round, 2022 and 2023 first rounds. Then flip all that to trade the Eagles for their sixth pick, and a third round pick in exchange for Miami's 12th pick that they just got from San Francisco and a fourth round pick by also giving up one of the 2022 sec- 2022 first round pick Dolphins since Lerny Tunsil was traded has now added about four to five first round picks, two second round picks and a third for the next 3 years. This team is built is going to be built on a young talent right off the bat, and you can see it in what's going on now. Brian Flores is going to lead this team. Tua is going to head the quarterback position. I'm pretty sure he's not going to get traded, but they're going to be set up, and they traded out the top three to trade back within the top 10, which means they're going to get at least an offensive weapon who can help Tua, and it possibly could be Jalen Waddle and not Devontae Smith. I don't know about you guys, but it's a lot that can happen over this time and they can slowly build on their defensive line they can add some linemen who can protect to it because we saw how the line this year wasn't as good or as strong but it's a lot that's going on in the grand scheme of things this team is going to be prepared as you can tell has went on the tank the tanking side of things to build its future later and it's working off by getting rid of some assets some key pieces and now we're just going to have to watch and wait so earlier i talked about how i had a guest and we were talking top five receivers right now in the league and if we were building our own offense via 7v7, I would like to you guys to be introduced to a good buddy of mine, Rico. He's played a little bit of football, but his whole thing is he always wanted to play receiver, and he stopped playing football to focus on basketball. But since then, he's watched the game in great detail, and he's got his five receivers in today's league that he thinks is the best. So I would like you to start off with your five, Rico. First off, introduce yourself and tell them about yourself ah yes sir
1: yes sir it's your boy rico how's everybody doing how you doing my guy
0: i'm well so let's start with this so i'm gonna start first number five i have keenan allen from the la chargers this man was reliable for me uh third straight year being a pro bowler didn't hit a thousand yards this year but averaged 10 yards almost 10 yards to catch so i'll put him at my number five so what about you um, for my f-
1: number five, I did Stefan Diggs. You know, because he's just—he's a monster. He's his footwork is crazy. His route running is crazy. And he's unstoppable.
0: All right. So that's your five. So if he's your five, your list must be very different than my number four. I'm gonna let you take number four. Um, number four, I actually went with Keenan. Actually, so you switch and put Keenan. So why why does Keenan sit higher? On your list, just one spot above versus mine.
1: Um, just because I feel like Keenan is just—he's consistent with his numbers, and it's just he can't be stopped.
0: All right, so I get that. Me, my number four, I'm going with Julio Jones. Julio's my number four, and I'm looking at your face, and you already have comments. Let, let me let me hear it. Let me hear it. Uh, number four, sir. That's that's disrespectful. No. Okay, I put him at number four because of age first. But at the same time, his production value is not is nothing to why you at now, only because of how dominant he is. Granted, Julio will always, when it's all said in his career, numbers will say he's a top five receiver of all time. Don't get me wrong. Just the way he plays now, I wouldn't have him. Today, if this was like three years ago, yes, he would be in like top three. Today, no, I put him at number four. So now, number three... I have DeAndre Hopkins at number three, and I put him over Julio specifically because his consistency. To a, he's never he's not injured versus Julio, who's always who's somehow always hurt. But that comes with age. But this man put up fourteen hundred yards this year. Like, come on now, you have to respect that. Julio didn't do that, so that's my number four. Well, that's my number three.
1: I can respect that.
0: All right. So what? Are, who who sits at your number three? Uh, my number three, I went with Devonte Adams. Devonte, well, that's low. That's low. That's low it's not, it's not
1: low, but I mean, the top two is just
0: Okay, so. so you have a very Compelling argument, okay, I see The same with how I Julio, understandable okay. So, we're gonna go to number two I'm gonna let you take number two Who's your number two guy? Number two,
1: I went with Julio Jones Why? Uh, Because he's basically the LeBron Of receivers right now
0: DK Metcalf is on the rise I don't disagree I also agree, though, who is definitely the LeBron receiver receivers. Not going not to argue that. But he's not my number one. But my number two, Stephon Diggs is number two. That man's hands is shorthanded, doesn't drop a pass, and hit 1,500 yards, more than DeAndre, eight touchdowns, shorthanded. And you saw you saw what the Bills were without him, and then once he got there, it was just a change of, change of guard. It was a change of everything. So, number one, I'm going to let you take number one. Which I'm pretty sure I feel like I know where it is, but I'm going to let you take it.
1: Yeah, um, my number one is definitely DeAndre Hopkins, easily, because he has everything. The hands are glue. Check his gloves, for real.
0: I'm also going to check some of them push-offs he do. Me, number one is Devontae Adams. And I, like I said, I get your list. I get everything about your list. Me, you have maybe two differences, but I like how our list pretty much had the same players. It was very consistent, but... It was a lot of names we didn't put on there, like Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf. But the biggest name we didn't put on there was Michael Thomas. And, of course, everyone will talk about him. I want to hear your reason why he's not on your list. And where does he sit? I'm going to just gonna be honest. I don't like him. You don't like him. So where did why why not? Why don't you like him? What was it about his game where you like, it's not for me? I'm
1: not going to say he's overrated,
0: but... <laughs> He called him overrated. That's 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 exactly what he called him. It's okay, yeah. He called him overrated, y'all. I mean,
1: he's he's tough.
0: He had Drew Brees throwing the ball. Okay. Well, uh, uh, okay. With your argument, I understand. I give him the overrated as well. What was Drew Brees' other options? Emmanuel Sanders. You could always throw it to a small speedster. But well, but like I said, I get I get your argument when when you have Drew Brees, it's kind of easy to get things done. But the reason why I I wanted him overrated was. He's one dimensional And it was something I started noticing Like last year And it was like All he runs is either a slant uh, Or in route He runs about three routes That only take three They be crispy
1: But it's it's the same thing
0: I re- Like I said I respect it Like It's just the same as I agree with you It's one dimensionally But if you had to rank him In your receivers Is he top 10 Top 20 or where? For sure top 10 For sure you're better than me. He's top 15. Better than me, top 15. I can't respect it. Can't respect it. I'm sorry. He's top 15. Yeah. There are 14 receivers in my eyes that are better than him, and I stand by that. But because we were talking earlier before the show started, we were talking about if we had to build our offenses, how we start. So I'm going to let you, if seven on seven, you're playing, you only get to build your, your dream offense, and how would you start off? So I, I want you to give your whole team from start to finish.
1: Okay. Um as
0: my quarterback,
1: despite everything that's going on, I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson. It's hard to say that name. All them allegations. Uh but
0: we, we going we going strictly off of production though. Strictly yeah, off of production, yeah.
1: For sure Deshaun Watson, absolutely. He's he's agile, he has an arm, he can stay in the pocket, he can move outside the pocket. He can take hits. Vision is crazy. Athleticism. What else doesn't he have? Uh you know, to get a running back I would definitely get I would I would get Derrick Henry for sure. Easily. Just because we know who he is. I said the name. You know who he is. Receivers, I need some receivers. You get two. Two? Okay.
0: You get two receivers and you get a tight end and a slot. So three receivers and a tight end. Okay. Um one of my
1: receivers is gonna be Devontae Adams. The other receiver is gonna be DeAndre Hopkins. And my slot is going to be Terry. Terry McLaurin? Yes, indeed. Okay. Now um, tight
0: end. You got to round it off.
1: Tight end. Tight end is a hard one. But I feel like only Travis, Travis is the answer. The white boy. Come on now. Know who we got to get.
0: So how I'm hearing your offense being played out is it's a very intermediate style offense a lot of crossing routes a couple D balls and that's not bad but I think my offense isn't as good is is on par with yours or possibly just a little bit better quarterback instead of Deshaun I'm going to go with Kyler Murray it was a toss-up between Kyler or Justin Herbert honestly Justin Herbert has a really strong arm and he showed it this year and I think he'll get better so it was between so but I want Kyler Kyler is my as my one as my QB at running back, I think I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. To finalize it so it's no toss-up, I'm going to go with Christian. I'm going to go with Christian because he's I can use him a little bit more, and it will be very fun to dream up some scenarios and some packages where I can put him at receiver and motion him in at running back. It will be a little fun for that. Receiver one, mm, receiver one, I'll go with Stefan. Receiver two, I need a bigger target, so I want DK receiver three slash slot i need a guy who could do both and this is your guy you loved him a lot we're gonna go with justin jefferson i'm gonna go with a guy that you you talked about a lot this year so justin will be there and then for my tight end i want i think i want baltimore's tight end mark mark andrews i think that would be where i want to go there just because like i said if i didn't want to run the ball i got a tight end who can block very well travis can exceptionally block exceptionally well But I think this would just be a little bit more fun for me. So, you guys let me know which team do you think will win. And what about your top five receivers? Where do you think they sit and where do they land? And let me know. Uh, Rick, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, Is there any way, anything else you want to say before you got to step off?
1: I appreciate you for having me. Uh, People be safe. Get your mentals right. Love
0: all right guys and coming up after this we're going gm draft path and we're talking running backs the swift army knife of football players in my eyes the workhorses you name them that's what they are i'll see you guys after this break all right welcome back guys and we're talking running backs and I talked about how these guys are the Swiss Army Knives of this football field, and I stand by that. So we're going to start off first with Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, 6'1", 207 pounds. This kid can ball, believe it or not. Again, I talked about his counterpart and receiver in Tyron Wallace last week. Now we're talking about him. Opted out midway through the 2020 season to focus more on his draft stock and try to build up on that. But he's what we all like to call a one cut back, gets the ball on usually a zone scheme outside the tackles, makes that, puts that foot in the ground, bow, cuts up field real fast. And this is what I like about his game. And it's not hard to see that he has a sudden burst of speed through the hole, but he's real big, real physical and powerful. And he's one of those guys we call a downhill runner. And when I say that, sometimes you get those guys who are extremely shifty, who can go East and west before they go north and south. He's a true north and south runner, more north than south, and it's fun to watch. Again, I talked about it earlier when I said he's a zone to stretch scheme runner. So you want to put him in one of the cluster formation or more so a pistol formation where you can run zone tackles and zone schemes to get him in space and make it hard. One thing I I like about his game more than most running backs that that I will talk about soon is that he can be used as a pass catcher. A lot of running backs are now having to be multifaceted because of you want to be a every-down back. Chuba, on his own, allows himself to be a three-down back. And in his short stint playing for Oklahoma State this year, 133 attempts, 625 yards, which isn't a small feat to look at. And just the year before that, he hit He hit 2,000 yards, 2,000 yards last year. So it shows that he's very productive. He can be the all-around back that you knew, the three-down carrier. And if you want to, you can use him as a receiver, put him out in space. And it shows that not a lot of linebackers can keep up with him. And that's what I liked about his game. With the positives, there are the negatives. But the only real negative that I noticed is he doesn't have an extreme burst of speed once he breaks through things. If he's faster than you, he's faster than you. But it's not a lot of times where we saw... Him have separation speed, if if you guys understand where I'm going with that. He can beat someone downfield, but in terms of getting separation from him and a defender, that's a little hard. And a big back, but he's not a powerful running back. He's not going to dip his shoulder down every play. He likes to use his feet. He likes to give you a jab cut here, a step cut there, and then get to his target. Extremely patient, but he's not powerful. You're not going to see him carry three, four opponents an extra two three yards downfield that's just not what happens but overall he's going to be a solid running back in this league maybe not a franchise caliber running back like Saquon's and Ezekiel Elliott's or the Christian McCaffrey's but he's going to be useful he's a useful runner so I put him at a day three prospect somewhere between the fifth or sixth round possibly a little bit in the fourth round honestly depending on how everything shakes out but if you have not seen this film go watch it get acquainted to it Chuba Hubbard Oklahoma State Coming in at number two for me, we have Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. Six foot, 221 pounds, transferred to Ohio State out of Oklahoma. Wanted to get a different change of scenery, and it worked out. He was behind. He ran with with Master T, and he also sat behind J.K. Dobbins last year. And we saw his game take over this year. Honestly, this year, although it was very short-lived, we got to see his game become full throttle and it take over and it becomes something very impactful and powerful. Like they I said this from the jump, multifaceted guys get multifaceted play time and you get to be on the field a lot longer. Him, extremely strong, powerful runner, downhill guy, dips the shoulder, extremely athletic. He can hurdle a guy if he chooses to, quick to the hole, also a one cut dimensional style back, but he's not afraid of contact. I said he'll dip his shoulder, but man, he was putting up some clinic Broke over 20 tackles this year and let people know that he was not afraid to be the big man on campus. Again, I talked about how he's quick to the hole. That goes with him being a one read, one cut back. He's also very patient. He was allowing his blocks to develop, but also wanting to create. He's, what what I liked about him the most is he was wanting to create his own hole, where, let's say, a gap on the left side might just be a little small to fit through. He made his way through it, also breaking off for a huger run than what he needed to because of his ability to move a pile and push a couple people over. I said it earlier when I talked about him being able to just be a powerful runner, he pushes a pile. He's one of those guys that I liked a lot that fights for the extra yards. And it does take two to three guys to bring him down. But I look at him more of a, a workhorse. Like if you guys didn't watch Ohio State's final, what, four or five games, this man was a monster. Michigan State, he put on 10 carries for 112 yards. Against Northwestern, he had 29 carries for 331 yards. Then he plays Clemson in the college football playoffs, has 31 carries for 193 yards, which shows if you're in crunch time and your passing game isn't enough for it, he can be the guy that if your team is a run-heavy team, you give him the ball to set up your passing and that can help you guys out in the long run. And that's what I liked about him as a whole. Workhorse running back, can do it all. It's, he's a really good blocker. One thing I noticed about a lot of these prospects, they're either going to be a decoy blocker where they have that delayed one Mississippi two and then go run their route, or they sit there and do the cut block. He was wanting to face a defender in the eyes and boom, get pad level, hands to chest, and make things happen. And I talked about all the power. Some of these guys with all this power don't have as much speed, and that's where he kicks in. He's not elusive as much as we think. He's definitely quick, But he has no flashy speed, no stunning quickness to where you blink and you might miss it. He's not that type of guy. So that could be a knock on his game. Also, we have to contribute the factor in the games he played. And it took him a while to get everything under his belt to get the game under his belt. So he still has to develop and learn as things go on. But overall, another day three guy to me could possibly be a late day two, depending on how the draft shakes out. But I don't see anything outside of the, the third, fourth, possibly fifth round. But if you guys haven't seen it, Trey Sermon, Ohio State, foot 221. So coming in at number one for me, I have Javante Williams out of North Carolina, 5'10", 220 pounds, shared carries with his running mate who also will be entering in this draft and Michael Carter, although you usually would talk about these guys as a duo, I have him as my number one back because he was a monster. He was the primary ball carrier for that team, and with Sam Howell at quarterback, he was the perfect back that helped everybody that that can take the safeties back a little bit or who forced people to play up in the box just so Sam Howell can throw that ball over the top. He is what I like to call the ultimate running back in my eyes because you ran the offense through him even though you knew you were a passing team first, but this guy got it done. This whole season was a statement year. He had 166 attempts. He averaged about He averaged just there about 110 yards a game this season alone. And against Miami, he put on a clinic 236 yards against Miami and did not look back. Breaking tackles, moving down fast. Powerful runner. That was my first thing that I noticed about him. Powerful downhill type of guy. Not willing to, doesn't have to do anything flashy. Don't have to make too many cuts, too many adjustments. Get the ball, go. Seize the hole, hit it. And that's what I like. Finish through tackles. He's not one of the guys that'll take contact and fall backwards. He's going to fall forward. He Finishes through the tackle and he finishes through the arms. So you guys better learn how to wrap up and tackle this guy. If not, he's gonna take it to the house. And we saw that against Miami. And there's a reason why he has 236. Guys weren't able to wrap up on him. And yeah, sometimes you can talk about his size, but 5'10, 220. That's a stacked running back. That's a big body. Great awareness for where the ball, for where the hole is at. Great vision altogether. He has he has a exceptional ball carrying vision or back or seeing the hole back beside him, behind him. I mean, because his Ball carrying vision to me was just that nice. It could be a stretch play to the left, it closes up. He'll find that one cut with his patience, he'll sit, he'll hold for a second and find a hole right there on the right side, bust through it because someone forgot their assignments. And because of his patience, we saw that he can do things in a no, in a whole nother level. And because what I liked about him was, with his patience comes that ability to hit a second gear. That ability to hit, gear shift number two was the explosiveness. He'll be patient, he'll sit, and boom, right out the gate, he's breaking off for about 20, 30 yards, 14, 13 yards downhill. Average six yards a carry this season, which is amazing by the statisticians if you guys want to play the numbers. That says he's going to be a primetime back somewhere or be a really good feature back somewhere that can help. Again, I talked about how he shared a lot of the carries with Michael Carter, which means you could see him go to another team with an already established running game, but just add him there to be a more in-between-the-tackles runner. Exceptional as a pass blocker. I talked about Trey Sermon, who was a good pass blocker. He's... Okay, let me me rephrase that. He's not an exceptional pass blocker. However, when he's there, he can make it count for a little bit of time that he has left. I think that's something he'll work on in his game in terms of having to be a better pass protector. He doesn't have any... Wowie speed, like it's not no speed that jumps off at the paper at you, but out of those two things, those are the, those are things that you really, one, you don't really care about in terms of having only him, only having solid speed and no explosive speed and being a pass protector, depending on how the NFL is charting right now, there's so many backs that come in and do so many things. He may or may not have to have a, a perfect pass protecting game. He might just need to do enough to give the quarterback an extra two seconds to make to get the ball out of his hands. Or if you want, just be a just be the primary first and second down back. Then you come in with your with your third down back who can be split out wide or whatever and make things happen from there overall day two running back he's definitely going to go by in the third maybe if he's day three in the fourth if you guys aren't familiar with Javante Williams out of North Carolina watch his tape and get acquainted and tell me what you guys think after this we're going to go with the GM teams of the week I told you we're going in the DMV area so we're going to go to Baltimore and we're going to go down to the nation's capital in Washington DC I'll see you guys after this All right, guys, we're going to finish it strong. Again, I said we were going to the DMV area for both GM teams of the week. And let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. First up, finished 11-5, and lost in a divisional round to the Buffalo Bills. Had a pretty good season, not great. by On the eyeball test, it was a good season. But I guess when you're the Ravens and your team is playing this well, you're supposed to at least be in the the Super Bowl, or at least playing in that AFC championship, there was a lot to dissect from there. So let's jump straight into the offseason, how it's going down now, and other things that's left. So this team has a projected salary cap of $17 left, but they won't be the same Ravens team that they were a year ago. They lost a ton of players, and most notable players they lost were pass rushers and Matthew Judon, who played outside linebacker in DM, and Ngagwe, who played DM, both left to join different teams. One goes to New England, the other one goes to Las Vegas, so there's a lot that we have to break down there, but overall, let's address the team needs. I already talked about it by them losing pass rushers. You need to rebuild or reload on that, so let's start there. Offensive linemen, more specifically, center and guard. You also have Orlando Brown, who wants to get out of Baltimore, who wants to be converted to a left go- a left tackle instead of a right tackle. So we still have to see how that plays out. Need to adjust the- address the need at receiver, and that's what they did this year. But it really wasn't a huge splash. There were reports that they offered Juju Smith-Schuster and a whole bunch of other guys, but end up getting Sammy Watkins on a one-year deal. If you're Baltimore, you have to get you a tight end because that's what your offense is built on. And also, you can never have too many corners, and this is not a major need. But get a slot corner involved or some type of secondary who could play in the slot. So have about five to six draft picks this year. They can knock out majority of their needs. And what I already talked about in free agency, they attack some of their needs already. And Kevin Zettler at guard, you bring him on. You get Sammy Watkins I talked about earlier as receiver, but also retaining Tyus Bowser to be on the outside linebacker spot, who is a pretty good linebacker. Nothing too flashy, nothing that that shouts at you, but he does get the job done. So that's one part of your your pass rushing that you need. But I think they truly get to establish what they need in the draft this year. And I believe in this first round, because of them losing in in they're going to have to probably get them a pass rusher first. Then let's see what else we can address. In my eyes, if you're Baltimore, I would still draft a receiver. Maybe not within the first three rounds because there's it's a heavily loaded class. But get you a, a key contributor receiver. And I talked about some guys last week who aren't necessarily number one receivers now. If you pair them up with Hollywood Brown and they work out. And because you're a running first team, you can set up the play action with these big time speed receivers in Hollywood Brown or... Jalen Darden, Tylen Wallace, Rashad Bateman, any one of those guys. So we can still get you a slot receiver. But also, let's also, within these first couple rounds, let's try to get us either another safety or or another corner who can sit there in the slot and play that position very well. Because overall, defense is what Baltimore has been founded off of, and it's something that they've go- they've maintained throughout this time. Granted, it slowly changed where now offense is the key, but there's more that can go down to that if they have the right pieces. So in the meantime, with this salary cap and only being able to get a couple free agents, let's make this a defensive team again. Let's still focus on defense, and then next year you guys can reload on as many offensive weapons as you need. But speaking of offensive weapons, and we're going to transition over to the Washington football team. This team finished 7-9 in a terrible, abysmal of a division in the NFC East. Somehow became the NFC East champs, ended up playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and actually almost coming out with a W against this team who would eventually become Super Bowl champs. So with all that that's going on, what is this team really capable of or where is their mark and things like that these guys started off with about 39 million in cap now sitting at 17 million left over because they addressed some of their team needs the biggest need that everyone talked about was quarterback the outside linebacker receivers and tackles their two biggest ones was offense you need someone who can help out Terry McLaurin on the opposite side and they go get Curtis Samuel his teammate at Ohio State so and Curtis Samuel who was ranked according to pro football focus was in the top three if not top two in either deep ball receptions deep ball targets touchdowns over 20 plus yards or more so he's going to be the speed guy will Terry be the more surgical and tactical receiver who can go across the middle and can go deep but they have more things to address who's going to throw him the ball introduce Ryan Fitzpatrick aka Fitz Magic, who's going to be on his ninth team the journey keeps on going behind that you still have Taylor Heineke a quarterback who proved that he's going to be a really good quarterback if he has the right pieces around him this year and you get to see what happens he signed a multi-million dollar deal to be with Washington, a multi-year deal at that. So it's a lot that's going on there. Is he the quarterback? Is he not? Is Ryan going to be another bridge quarterback like how he has been for everybody else? Or is this one time where this is his team and he gets to go from there and he proves that what's going on? Ron Rivera is going to have a quarterback competition to see who's the guy for this team. The defense this this past year was exceptional. The lineman was really good and they finished in the top five defense this entire season which was really amazing because secondary had some issues within the beginning half of the season landon collins goes out but then you have rookies and you have rookies like cam curl who stepped up and it showed that they can do some serious damage and speaking of the secondary they go add another court corner and william jackson from cincinnati who played extremely good over there all this being said doesn't mean that they're prime time contenders for super bowl right now because they still have a lot to work on and i said there are other things they must address, and this is where you're addressing in the draft. You have to draft you a, a tackle, or outside linebacker, because you need someone who's going to be on those ends, and that can help, on, help you out with this quarterback situation, because Trent Williams, you guys traded him away last year, and the offensive line really has not had true continuity except for Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses. Good thing Brandon Sheriff has re-upped on a franchise tag, so he's going to be there for another year, so it kind of helps just a little bit. But overall, a lot has to happen. The good news is, for this Washington team, is that your young core has put your team, this young defensive core as a whole, led by Chase Young, is in a prime position to where now they can make a strong playoff push. They're slowly a few pieces away because their defense is coming along solidly. It's just the offense now. How much longer can Washington go? Can they keep up with the Cowboys? Because on paper, Cowboys have the best team. Giants, they're on their way up, but they're still rebuilding. And Philly's doing a complete reset. So it's pretty much between Dallas and Washington now. So we'll see how that shakes out. Overall, these are my two teams of the week's. Next week, we'll have two more teams, and the draft is almost 30-some-odd days away. We're getting closer, fellas. Ladies, gentlemen, we're getting closer. The season is almost here. Pro days are still going on. People are playing like crazy. Like I suggest you guys watch. Everything that's going down, every trade is going to be a bigger deal, closer and closer to draft time every cut every release every signing it's going to get crazy out there with that being said i want to thank you for listening to another episode of the backyard gm again i would like to thank my guest who came in for me this week just to discuss his top five receivers and anything like that i plan on having more guests in the future this was just my first time let me guys know what you think about that tell us about your top five your top five receivers in the league tell me how would you build your offense i talked about it earlier but i'm really going to see can my offense is my offense better in your office is your offense better than my offense or does your offense just not make any sense at all but again i want to thank you guys for listening shout out to everyone who's helped me get this far into this podcast this is episode 11 i want to say happy birthday to my grandmother today is her birthday when this episode comes out so i just want to shout her out like follow comment share if you guys want to connect with me, you can follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Darius Brockett, D-A-R-I-U-S-B-R-O-C-K-E-T-T. Follow me on Instagram at BeastM underscore media. You can follow me on there too. I'll see you guys same time, same day, Thursday, 2 p.m. Just in case if you guys forgot, I'll see you later.